My name is Patricia. I'm the creative arts pastor. And I get to speak to you on this last Sunday of the year and how lucky are we that it's such a warm one. <laughs> but it's that time of the year, isn't it? The time of the year where it gets a little bit chillier and we bring out our sweaters and it's that time of the year where we stuff ourselves so full of holiday food. Then we take a couple of days to walk it off and then we put our stretchy pants on again because New Year comes from out of nowhere and you have to eat as much as you can tonight because tomorrow you're on a diet again because it's January 1st and you've made the resolution that this year you're going to eat better and work out more and 2018 is going to be the year that you actually follow through. Does that sound familiar to anyone right now? <laughs> yeah, tomorrow is 2018 and I'm left wondering where did the year go? Anybody else wondering that? Where did 2017 go? But then we can wonder even more, where did the past, let's say, 4,000 years go? And I say 4,000 because roughly about 4,000 years ago is when New Year's was celebrated for the first time. And it was actually celebrated in March and not in January. If you go back to ancient Babylon, they are recorded as the first people to actually celebrate the coming of a new year. And they celebrated in March, and they had this festival that they called a Kitu. Everybody say a Kitu. And that means barley or sowing barley. And it was this idea of celebrating new growth because that's when they planted seeds. So the first let's celebrate the new year actually happened in March. But then you go to 45, 46 BC and you meet somebody by the name of Julius Caesar who should sound familiar to you if you were here for our In the Fullness of Time Christmas series. We learned a little bit about him. But in 45, 46 BC, he added 90 days to the calendar because he wanted the calendar to line up with the sun. And then he declared January 1st as the day that we celebrate the new year. And the reason that he went with January was because he thought it would be great to celebrate the new year and name it after this God. The name was Janus. If I, I, I've looked up the pronunciation a bajillion times and I could never remember, so I might be pronouncing that wrong. But Janus was their, their god, and he was known as the god of beginnings or doorways or transitions. And notice how this god is facing, there's a head that's facing this way and one that's facing this way, this idea of one facing forward and one facing backwards. And so that's how Julius Caesar decided to declare January as the first, the new year. Then if you go to 1740, you meet somebody by the name of John Wesley. And if you're familiar with the Wesleyan Methodist movement, you know that John Wesley is known as founding Methodism. And he would declare these renewal, covenant renewal services, and they would typically be held on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. So there's a little bit of New Year's Eve Day history for you. But then, you know, you flash forward to our time and, and we've taken on our own traditions and have certain ways that we bring in the new year. Some of us stay up until midnight and we watch the ball drop. How many of you do that? Okay, a few of you. There we go. And some of us have certain foods that you have to eat on New Year's Eve. For instance, in my family, it was always shrimp cocktail and clam chowder. Or if I'm really bringing out my main roots, clam chowder, it's a thing that you gotta have. <laughs> But I also looked up some different, uh, you know, different foods and other things that people do on New Year's Eve and day. And they say to bring in the new year, if you want to have a really lucky new year, 
eat black-eyed peas and cabbage. But don't eat lobster, because lobster crawls backwards, and the new year is all about moving forward. And the Irish wear red underwear to celebrate the new year. So if you want to have a really great 2018, eat black-eyed peas, cabbage, and wear red underwear, you're going to have an amazing year. You're welcome. <laughs> Olivia goes, disgusting. <laughs> but we do have something that kind of has started back in, you know, 4,000 years ago up until now. And we do these things called resolutions. And it's this idea of choosing a goal or, you know, some sort of thing that you want to uphold within the new year to make the new year better than the last year. It's why come December, gym parking lots look like this, and come January, they look like this. Because statistically, the number one resolution that people make is this idea of losing weight or eating healthier. Here's a few other statistics. So 21.4% say I want to lose weight, eat healthier. 12.3% say they want to make some sort of life or self-improvements. 8.5% we want to make better financial decisions. 7.1% quit smoking. 6.3% do more exciting things. Skydiving, maybe. 6.2% spend more time with family and friends. 5.5% work out more often, get those muscles. 5.3% learn something new on my own. 5.2% do more good deeds for others. 4.3% find the love of my life. 4.1% find a better job. And 13.8% they would make some other sort of resolution. But so we make these resolutions with good intentions. We intend to make the next year better than the last. But unfortunately, only 80% of, well, 80% of resolutions fail by February. That's one month. 80% fail by February. You see, I think we, we make good intentions when we make resolutions or set goals because we really do want to get better, right? I mean, I do. That's why I make goals or resolutions. But I think sometimes maybe we set the bar a little bit too high. So instead of saying, okay, I'm going to work out at the gym once a week this year, we say, I'm going to work out at the gym every day this year. And then when we miss a day, we feel like failures and we give up and act as if the rest of the year won't allow for another good workout. Sure, maybe we shouldn't eat the entire bag of truffles. <laughs> That's... It's been a resolution of mine. Don't eat an entire bag of truffles, but they're just so good. But we set these really high resolutions, and then when we don't meet them, we feel like a failure, and then we're like, okay, let's, well, there's always next year. We'll start again in January. But what if we started with something a little bit smaller and trusted in God, who's a whole lot bigger, and trusted him with our good intentions for 2018, and maybe didn't set resolutions, but tried something maybe a little bit different. I mean, what would it look like if our goal for the year is to walk a little different and do something a little bit against the norm? If you were here last year, you might have been around when Ryan, Pastor Ryan spoke on this idea of my one word. And instead of making a resolution, he challenged us to choose a word. Choose one word that you'll take into the new year and allow that word to change you. Allow it to affect your relationships with your friends and family and with Jesus. Really dig into that word. And we have these windows up on the wall. 
And everybody wrote their words down. We have words like bold and peace, grace, time, worthy, free, trust, surrender, love, discover, mercy. Over here we have restore, courageous, greatness, present, change, pursue. And then over here we have release, forgiveness, discipline, relevant, shine, still, believe, kindness, steady, chain, peace. Gabby also wrote her name on that window. But we, we, we chose a word, and we chose to study it, dig into it, and see how it was going to change our year. And um, Ryan went to First John, and he talked about choosing a word that's going to help you remain in Christ. What's a word that you can study and dwell in and walk in in 2017 that will draw you closer to Christ? And my challenge to you this morning is the same thing. Choose a word that's going to help you remain in Christ. But I also want to add to that, and I want to add to that by going to the book of Colossians. Now, in order to really understand what Colossians is about, you have to understand the writer and the context in which he wrote. Paul was the writer, and he had actually never been to the church that he was writing to in this book. He was actually in prison when he wrote the book of Colossians, which I find really interesting because over and over again, he uses the word thanksgiving which I just think is admirable to what his situation is. But he had heard that the Colossians were being taught false things. He had heard that they were being told that Jesus wasn't the Son of God and that they were going back to their old ways. And Paul had such a heart for the church, such a heart for people, that he wanted to write to them and encourage them and speak truth into them. And that's where we find this letter coming from. And I'm going to read chapter 2, verse 6 and 7 first. Paul writes, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So there's that concept of being rooted. Walk in... Whoops, my mic kind of fell. My ears are smaller than Ryan's, so I have a little bit more difficulty with this mic. There we go. So there's this idea of walking in Jesus, remaining rooted and built up in him. So what's a word that's going to help you remain in Christ? What's a word that's going to help you walk in him, staying rooted and built up in him? And then we turn to chapter 3. And I have all of this up here, so you can follow along with me here. It says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Read this with me. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, and since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator." Here there is no Gentile or Greek, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but what does it say? Christ is all and is in all. 
Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Again, if you were here throughout our Puzzled series, our In the Fullness of Time series, you know that we talked about this word peace, this idea of shalom, and that Jesus came to bring shalom, peace, back to the world. So let the shalom of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, it's really easy when you've lived one way for so long to just keep wearing that way of life. Kind of like an old jacket that you've had for years and years. It just becomes familiar, so it's comfortable. And Paul was writing to the Colossians, telling them that their old way of life is no longer the way to live because they, the truth is Jesus and that they can walk in that truth and they can live in the truth of who he is. And so when Paul was writing to them, he was like, no, take off that old way of living. Take off that way of living where you're angry and you're speaking unkind words and you're just living in sin. Take that old way off. And since you've met Jesus, walk in him. Clothe yourself in this new way, this new way of living. Because Christ is all and is in all, which includes you and me. So walk in this new way of life. And how that applies to this my one word thing is it's so easy to look back over the past years and see your old way of life and pick that up and carry it into the new year. It's so easy to pick up the negativity. It's so easy to pick up the losses, maybe the hurts, the pains, whatever it is that your past years have been or 2017. It's so easy to pick that up and carry it into the new year. But we have a new year and we can do something different in the new year. We can put on a new way of life. We can walk and remain rooted in Jesus. And one way you can do that, one way that's helpful, is to pick a word that's going to bring you closer to Jesus. That every time you see it, you're reminded to walk in his way, to clothe yourself in the peace of who he is. And by choosing a word and actually spending time with the Father through that word, Your 2018 might be a little bit different than your 2017. Now, for some of you, you weren't here last year, so you didn't pick a word, or maybe you came halfway through, so you're not really sure what all of this is about. But there was a couple here last year that um, they picked a word, and they started a community group. And within their community group, they spent week after week discovering what their words meant and dive, really diving into that. And so I was really excited that they said yes when I asked if they would be willing to come in and let me video their journey with their words throughout 2017. So I want you to watch this video, hear how, like, what their journey with their words were like, and pray through what 
your journey this year could be like if you choose a word. Hi, I'm Bruce. And I'm Jane. And, and we, we are, are the, the Warners. I started out with the word zeal. That's really what I wanted for, for me. I wanted to be on fire for God. I really wanted to, I just wanted that that boost, that excitement in my life again. And and God said, no. God said, your, your one word is gonna be surrender. So that's kind of funny because I didn't get the word I wanted. I had to surrender. I was worried that God was gonna ask me to give something up, that, that that's what he meant by surrender. And one of the first things I did was, you know, once I had that word is, is prayed, God, what do you want for me? And one of the first places that he asked me to, to follow his will was to, smart, to, to start a small group. And we did, and for our small group, we chose to talk about our one word and everyone was really moved by that sermon and everybody had chosen a word. And I was really amazed at how, how God used everybody's one word to speak to me about mine. In where I thought that I was coming alongside people and helping them, I was amazed at how God turned that back on me to help me. One of the words was love. And just getting a deeper understanding of God's love and how that impacted me and allowed me to be able to surrender. When you understand the love of God, it's so much easier to surrender to his will. And one of the other words was forgiveness. And another word was grace. And we really got into the, a little more depth that I really thought grace is really just mercy. You know, that God felt sorry for me. And as we studied the word, we found out that it's God's power. It's God's power. And that he wants more for us. That we're his children. And understanding that, I was able to go a little bit further with surrendering to him. And, and we worked around the group. And one of the last words that we went over that really surprised me would speak to me was spiritual discipline. Discipline. For me, one of the things that I do is when there's a problem, I tend to take it all on which is probably why God chose that word for me, that he knew that, that I couldn't handle that, that, that I wasn't gonna be able to take it all. And as we came back to discipline, it was just amazing that, that God was allowing me to come alongside him again and to, I don't know, my original word zeal seemed to be coming back that, you know, if, if I'd have tried it, if I'd have tried zeal without surrender, I don't know where I would have ended up it's been it's been amazing. And one of the last things that we've been that God has really worked on me with the word surrender is hurt. That I want to hold on to my hurt. That I want to hold on to those things that and God has told me I want those too. I want you to lay those down. That I want those. That He's going to take them and that He's gonna make me stronger. So it's been an amazing year focused on one word, and I was amazed at how many places one word could go. My one word for the year was steady. And I realized in that one word that my whole life has been to reach steady. Growing up, 
my father was an alcoholic and when you have an alcoholic in the family it's devastating and chaotic and the whole central focus of your home is the alcoholic and it leaves kids feeling unworthy it leaves kids feeling unsafe and it leaves kids feeling broken so my whole life was just focused on being steady. I want a steady life. I want a steady man. I want steady love. I want a steady family, a steady church life, a steady job. I worked really hard at creating that myself. And it came from one day when I was about 13. Um, we were putting the boat in the lake. Nothing can be an alcoholic's fault. Blame is always assigned everywhere else when something goes wrong. And my dad forgot to lock down the windshield. So he took off down the road and the windshield caught in the air and flew back and slammed into a million pieces all over the boat. And when that happened, pure terror ran through me. I knew that this couldn't be his fault. It had to be somebody's fault. And I knew this one was gonna be mine. And it was, he went off. And my dad didn't use force with us, but he did use harsh words. And he started right away. You are awful. You are lazy. You don't know what you're doing. You're good for nothing. You don't appreciate anything. And he left me there with the boat to clean up all the pieces. And I realized as I was cleaning up the million pieces that he always left us there to clean up the pieces. And I decided at 13 that I was done. So that night at dinner, he started going off again. And I did the unthinkable. I slammed my fists on the table and I stood up and I said, Dad, clean the pieces up yourself. And I stomped off to my room. I know, real earth shaking there. But it was for two reasons, because I said something, and no one ever addressed anything, ever. And the other reason it was earth-shaking for me was I wanted somebody to come up and follow me. I wanted somebody to hear me. I wanted somebody to say, you are worthy. No one did. And it was a big day for me then, because then I put all my work from trying to be perfect to not create waves at home to creating a steady life. So I worked hard, and we did. We created a steady life together. I met this man in college. We got married and created a steady life. And then a few years ago, God said, you're missing something. I said, okay, God, what am I missing? And he said those words, unworthy, broken, unsafe. We need to, to get to the root of that. And we did. And Dad brought me to my knees. We worked on it and worked on it hard. But through that, through that, I've learned the only way to be steady is through a steady relationship with Christ, of knowing who you are in Christ. And through our one word study and in our small group, I learned that the love of Christ and loving others, I learned about the love of Christ and loving others. I learned about forgiveness. I learned about discipline. And in those, using those, I have found that I am worthy. I have found that 
If God is for me, who can be against me? I am safe. I have found that I am a new creation in Christ. I'm not broken. So through one word of study, I've learned everything. One of the things that Ryan said last year in his sermon was to, what what word would help you remain in Christ? And that's really what drove me away from my original word, I think, was that's where God started moving on me is, what, what can I do, what can I focus on for a year to remain in Christ, to become more Christ-like? So if you're trying to pick a word or didn't stick with your word last year and need to work on it again, because I think I'm going to stick with study again this year. I don't know. But the key is pray. Spend some time with God. Listen to your Heavenly Father. Take some time and listen. See what he has to say. Because he'll give you a word. And it'll be life-changing. I told them when they were done filming that I didn't need to come up and speak because they just said everything that needed to be said. But I love that they were willing to just dig in deep and be challenged through one word. And that one word challenged them in a lot of different ways. And I love that Jane mentioned, if you're trying to figure out what your word is and you just don't know, she was like, pray. Pray through it. It might take you a day. It might take you a week. It might take you a month. But really pray through, what, it, what is it, God, that you want to teach me this year? What is it that you want me to learn? What is it that I can pick up and wear in a new way? My year, my word for this year was poor. And I thought it meant, like I started the year off saying, okay, Lord, pour into me. Pour who you are into me so I can pour it out better. And by the end of this year, it's been more of a God saying, no, Patricia, I need you to pour out some things. I need you to pour out some of your old way of living. I need you to pour out some pain. I need you to pour out this. And he started to list off things. And then once you pour all of that out, then there's room for me to pour more of me in. So sometimes your word, you can think it's going to be one way and it turns out to be something different. Or sometimes you think that your word is going to be zeal, like Bruce, and it turns into something like surrender. But then you still learn about zeal too. And my word for this year it's kind of a fun one. It's wonder. And I got it in a weird way. We as a staff and staff spouses and their kids, we had all uh, been invited out to dinner. And then we had gone over to see the lights in Coldwater, that when you tune into the radio station, you can watch the lights blink and whatnot. And um, we, we had gone into this house. They had cookies and cocoa. And uh, I'm sometimes more of a kid than an adult. And all the kids had disappeared. And I wanted to know where all the kids went to. And so I went outside, and they were all huddled in a circle around this little radio, and they were listening to the song and watching the lights outside of the vehicle. And it was the song Let It Go from Frozen. And they were singing this song at the tops of their lungs. I mean, they were borderline screaming the song. And then when they got done singing the song, there was a sidewalk behind the lights, and they were all like lined up on the sidewalk and I mean they were doing like ballerina things and like just jumping around and they didn't care that a bunch of cars were watching all of the lights as well as all of these children. And I just remember thinking in that moment, man, these kids are just so lost in the wonder of this moment that nothing else matters. 
And that's when the Lord was really like, Patricia, that's going to be your word this year, wonder. Because you need to spend more time getting lost in the wonder of who I am. And to give you a little insight, it's, it's hard sometimes uh, working in the church to, to get lost in his wonder because I'm always worried about, okay, are the invite cards done? Is the social media on point? Do I have the slides ready? Is everything spelt right? You know, you can get so lost in all of the little details that I can sometimes forget to get lost in what God is doing in the bigger picture. So for me, my word is wonder this year. And for you, maybe your word's going to come in a quirky way like that. But whatever your word might be, remember this. Walk in his word with your word. Don't just pick a word to pick a word because it's what we're doing. Really pray through what word can help you remain in Christ, what word can help you walk and be rooted in him so that you can wear it and wear it out there and live like Jesus and share his love in a whole new way. The band is going to play a song called Your Promises. And while the, the song is playing, I want to just open a space for you. If you need to come up here and pray for what your word might be, or if you already know what your word is, you should have received little cards when you walked in. And we have a new word wall over here. And you can go over and you can put your word up on that wall. It's okay if you have a word today and next week it changes. That's okay. But just spend some time praying, God, what do you want to teach me this year? And what word do you want to teach me what you need me to learn? Jesus, I just thank you for just opportunity for growth. I thank you for new years where we can take off our old selves and put on a new self in your name. I pray that whatever words we choose for this year, that they be of you and that we take those words and we rest in who you are with those words. Help us to see 2018 as one of the best years to really just live like you and share your love in just wonderful and marvelous ways. And in your name we